Hey, everybody. It's Tuesday, January 29th. Big report day out tomorrow. Big report day out tomorrow. Going to be be an interesting report day tomorrow. Um, Now, I will say that you're hearing that the low water levels in the Parana River, River, which is down in Argentina, it's by Brazil, it's by Paraguay too, Um, pretty big river down there. Uh, And the fact that it's pretty deep most times and allows ocean-going vessels to go up it quite a ways to um, basically load ships with uh, Brazilian corn, soybeans, Argentina corn, soybeans, and wheat. Of course, you got Uruguay and Paraguay that, 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 you know, ship some stuff out of that. Uh, And it's interesting that I mentioned all four of those, but basically low water levels that may actually get some option origin stuff coming out of the United States versus coming out of South America because they got to load the ships lighter because the ships can't uh, draw as much water. And the, co- the, the, co- the high cost of shipping right now, and you got to rent, rent a ship by the day, basically. Uh, the high cost of shipping is, quote-unquote, so expensive that they want to load them all the way up. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on there. Um, there's a freeze in uh, southern Brazil. Uh, seeing a lot of coverage of that right now. Starting to get more traction. Um, I know one one um, uh, person down there, negative uh, 3.9 degrees Celsius. Now, let's just remember that Celsius zero is freezing. So it was, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight degrees Fahrenheit below freezing. So it was in the, it was in the low to mid 20s. Um, and, and, and a weather outfit down there saying the polar wave, in the first half of this week in Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, and Paraguay was the world's largest cold anomaly outside of the poles for this week. So they, they, they had a, a cold anomaly, a, a polar wave that came up, uh, hit them. A um, lot of pictures out there on the uh, Twitter, if you go there. Um, of course, I follow a lot of South American producers, and they were all posting pictures of their green corn with the frost on it and ice on the windshields and um, uh, ice in, in puddles, ice in the back of pickup trucks. Um, it got cold down there. Um, now, what's that going to do? What that's going to happen? You know, we're a little ways away from seeing where that's going to go. Now, I can say that that, uh, that I've seen some pictures of, quote-unquote, the first load of Brazilian second crop corn being loaded and it was going towards Portugal, which really when you get to thinking about it, you know, if that if they're loading that in northern Brazil, that's a hop, skip, and a jump across the Atlantic there to Portugal. That's not a real far haul. Uh, that's probably actually closer to Portugal than uh, the Black Sea uh, loading would be. And, and even, even if they raise below a 90 million metric ton crop, Brazil's still going to export some corn. I mean, it's not going to be a total wipeout. So you got that going on. And then did I mention that there's a report tomorrow by USDA? Um, I don't look for a whole lot of bullish news. I just really don't. Uh, they never, the, 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 even though the condition ratings are down quite a bit, they're going to say, well, there's plenty of time for rain and a recovery of the crop. It's still early in the growing season, yada, yada, yada. And also, uh, 
they don't change things as much. Even if they, I think, know that it's going to change, they generally step into things. So, you know, I'm not looking for a big drop in yields. I'm, I'm, I am looking for an increase in acres. Uh, but I could be wrong. I'm just some old dumb farmer out here that's marketing his own grain. So, and, and if you're stupid enough to listen to me, then then you probably uh, aren't real smart yourself. But uh, we we try anyway. I'll put it that way. We try. Yeah. Boy, that's not much of a ringing endorsement of what I talk about, is it? But oh well. Um, you you got to remember, this is just years of experience and seeing it. I, I will say um, that uh, looking at. Um, some of the flooding in my neighborhood, uh, one of the, you, most of you guys would call it a river. We call it a creek because we live in the land of, you know, the Illinois River, the Mississippi River, the Ohio River, the Wabash. They got to be big for it to be a river around here. Um, but this thing got higher. It, it, it's actually called Sugar Creek, and it starts in normal Illinois, in Bloomington Normal, actually on the ISU campus up there, on the Illinois State campus. Uh, just kind of a concrete drainage ditch up there, but that's where it starts. And of course, they got anywhere from eight to eleven inches of rain. And talking to a guy that that uh, is old enough to remember, uh, it beat the seventy-four record on the height. Now, one of the reasons it maybe beat the height is because they the counties raised the road through there, and uh, but it was going over even the raised road, uh, where he talked about you know it went over the road in seventy-six, it went over the road in eighty. But he was he was judging it against a fence along a pasture they have, um, and uh, you know he he's got the ability with that old fence to know where it's at, and he said it is it is higher than what it was in '74. Happened about the same time of year. Uh, I talked to another seed guy that was out with customers, kind of trying to decide what they're going to do. Of course, you got to get the water off first, um, and then it's got to dry out after you get the water off. But are they going to replant? How much of it are they going to tear up? How much of it's dead? How much of it they are going to hope that's going to going to live? Um, a lot of smaller creeks came out. North of us got four tenths of an inch of rain. Where we were, we didn't get any rain. But knock on wood, we've been very fortunate. Uh, outside of other people's water, we haven't uh, we, we haven't had those big flooding rains yet so far. Um, but with the kind of weather we got, you're still at risk of having that. But uh, we feel good where we're at, where the total amount of water that we've gotten is has been pretty good. But, uh, and, and not only that, talking to an elevator guy that's in the affected area where all the flooding is, and he basically said, hey, we've lost some bushels. We don't know how many, but we've lost some bushels. It's not going to go through our grain elevator complex uh, just because of all this flooding. And, and even if somebody does plant this stuff in July and even if it does perfect weather you're probably not talking you're probably talking half of a normal bean crop anyway and if they're cornfields that they're replanting the beans you're you know you're talking you know 200 bushel acre corn versus what 30 40 bushel acre beans a lot less bushels on those acres um overall the water probably made them more total bushels but they sure would have liked to see the water without the flooding, and then they they. But everybody would, you know. All more bushels always helps. Just seems to always help. So we'll see tomorrow what everything comes out with. We'll see the market reaction. Um, do we put in a low after the report, or have we put the low in on Friday? I don't know. We'll see what the report says tomorrow to be there. 
Uh, and then I think we're still down to weather, and it's, you know, how dry is it in Minnesota? How bad is it in South Dakota, North Dakota? How far down into Nebraska and Iowa does the dry weather extend? Uh, those are all questions to be answered. I, I found it interesting looking at, well, let's talk a little bit about crop ratings. You know, the USDA always comes out with the weekly crop ratings, and the grain trade was looking for both the corn and soybeans to get one point better in the national crop ratings, and they actually got one point worse in the national crop ratings. And, and the surprise to me was the state of Ohio. There were still dry pockets in Ohio where the crop they're saying just doesn't look so good. Um, so, so that was that that was a surprise to me, but but overall you've seen some big drops, especially in the state of South Dakota in condition ratings. And um, now I, I got one guy telling me that he's had people tell him it's not that bad up in the Dakotas yet. It's just going to get that way if they don't get some relief. Well, the last thing I'm going to talk about. Now, the Washington Post, and yes, it is the Washington Post, and I know that a lot of you probably don't like the Washington Post, but the Washington Post still is probably the official newspaper of Washington, D.C. They got a big article basically saying that right after Sonny Perdue was named Secretary of Ag, he got a sweetheart land deal from ADM. Now, ADM probably doesn't have the cleanest past in the world. Well, they got a movie made about it. So if there's a movie made about it, it probably says you maybe did something not really smart in the past. Doesn't mean that anything went on here in the future, but the Washington Post popped that out. Now, whether that's about the voting right lawsuit that the Department of Justice is running in Georgia, whether that's something they've been sitting on, whether it's something they just ran across, um, I, you know, I, somebody tipped them off to it, I don't know. And, and who knows how much truth there is to that story, but that story is out there. It is bouncing around. If, if that is the fact, that's not going to sell real well in a lot of places. Um, but we'll see. We shall see. Well, hey, with that, um, looking lot, lots, of, lots of crop problems in South America right now. Kind of interesting to see how much and, and what's it's going to affect and how it's going to come out. You know, if, if USDA, and I'll, I'll just end with this, if USDA stays and it ends up being, you know, I don't know where USDA is, somewhere around 98 million metric ton, 100 million metric ton of corn out of Brazil. If, if it stays, end up staying at that level, that means the Black Sea area, China, um, uh, or not China, excuse me, Russia, Ukraine, you know, Georgia, Moldova, you know, th th that area in there. Uh, they can provide enough corn to make up the deficit. But if it truly is 90 million metric tons or a little less, like some other people are saying, that means the corn export deficits, not the, the Black Sea area can't make it all up. They're going to have to come to the United States for some of that. And that'll come out of old crop, basically. Or, or it's just more exports of new crop that people weren't planning on. And I will say, too, where, where people are throwing, there's some people throwing out some wild export numbers for both corn and soybeans for next year. And if those are going to happen, there's going to have, you're not going to be able to do it through the traditional elevators because they're going to be maxed out. You're going to have to export some stuff through some, like Houston, a non-traditional port to export grain out of. Now, they did, I guess, export a little grain out of Houston this last year. 
but you're going to have to see some other places step up to just get enough ship space to get that many exports out. Because we all know there's going to be a lot of soybeans go out the door real quick. And those soybeans, it's, it's going to be tough for corn to go out this fall while you're competing with all the soybeans going out. Ah, logistical problems. That's somebody else's deal. Well, hey, to the smartest audience in agriculture, and I truly mean that. I appreciate all the shares. I appreciate all the listening. Um, I appreciate people that listen on Spotify, those that listen on Anchor. Uh, We'll continue to do this as long as you people continue to listen. Thank you very much.